Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. The grave is empty. He is risen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A blessed and happy Easter to all of you. What a privilege it is for us to gather in God's house this morning and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Eight days ago, we had a huge Easter egg hunt across the street, out on the field, and the kids were running around like crazy. You know what I'm talking about if you were there. They were searching for the highly coveted golden egg, and uh, some of them found it, and it was awesome. It was fun. But more than that, our kids learned about Jesus. They learned about the truth of his life, of his death, of his resurrection. Our kids learned about what Easter is all about. And they participated in this really cool art project. They were asked to draw a picture of what freedom looks like. What does freedom look like? Here's one of the pictures one of the kids drew. It's a picture of some birds flying out of the cage. A picture of freedom. Pretty cool. I like that. And another picture here is one of the American flag. America, land of the free. I get that. And then I love this one next. It's pretty awesome. Check out this picture. There it is. A goldfish coming out of a crowded fishbowl, jumping out with freedom into a clean, clear new fishbowl all for himself. (laughs) Freedom, right? Love our kids, man. They do some cool things, don't they? But it's a good question. What is freedom? What does it really mean to have freedom? What does it mean to be a human being that truly is free? On one level, we in America, we understand that we have all sorts of freedoms, more than most people in the world. But the more I thought about it over the past few weeks, I was realizing, is it possible to live in America, in the land of the free, and actually not be a free human being? To live in the land of the free, but to actually be enslaved and imprisoned. I heard a powerfully moving testimony a few weeks ago. It was a humbling story, an account of a guy. His name is Danny, and he lives here in Southern California. He grew up living a life of prosperity and material possessions. His family had nice homes, nice clothes, all the cool toys, motorcycles, nice cars, and his home was free of violence. It was free of drugs, but his parents weren't around much. They were busy doing things outside of the home. Danny began to learn that the goal of life was to have nice things. Danny thought to be loved means to receive material possessions. It all looked all nice on the outside. It was shiny and clean and happy and and bright and good looking. But on the inside, Danny was struggling for a sense of identity, a sense of self, a sense of what it means to be a human being. So in high school, he found drugs, he found alcohol. He realized that when he had the six-pack of beer, when he had the marijuana, when he hosted the party, well, then he had friends. Then he had acceptance. Danny was learning to place his complete identity in material possessions and the approval of others. Danny, as a teenager, living in America, living in the land of the free, but in reality, he was imprisoned. He was imprisoned by a life of prosperity and enslaved by others people, other people's view of him. Danny was not free. We'll get back to Danny in a moment, but we asked our kids that question last week, what is freedom? 
And I'm going to ask you this morning, what does it mean to truly be free? I mean, humanity has struggled forever with this question of freedom. And that that struggle with freedom was alive and well 2,000 years ago, the very first Easter. You see, the Jewish people, they were oppressed by the Romans. The Romans were the occupying government in power. They had taken control from the Jewish people. And the Jewish people were all looking for someone to give them their freedom back. Their identity as the, as the Jewish nation, the people of God. And they thought that the Messiah would come. And he would overthrow Rome and he would restore the Jewish nation. He would be the king of the Jews, just like David a thousand years before in the glory days when the Jewish people, the Israelite nation, was ruling the world. The disciples of Jesus, they bought into this in many ways. They thought that Jesus was going to be that kind of political government militant leader. Many of the Jewish people backed them on that, and they thought that Jesus would lead a rebellion to get rid of the establishment and restore freedom to the Jewish people. But then it happened. Good Friday. But it wasn't so good that very first Good Friday. It was a day filled with cruelty, betrayal, violence, corrupt earthly powers, murder, death, crucifixion. Jesus, Jesus their friend, Jesus their hero, Jesus their brother, Jesus their king, Jesus the Messiah. Jesus, the one who was going to make everything all right. Jesus, who was going to bring freedom to the Jewish people. Jesus was dead. And so they took his body off the cross and they laid him in the tomb. And his followers, they mourned and they grieved. And you know what it's like to mourn and grieve the death of a loved one. All Friday night, all Saturday, filled with grief and the shock of the hope of freedom broken. And then the following happened. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Imagine how they felt. Filled with grief. What was it going to be like to encounter Jesus' dead body and to prepare him for burial? Verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living the living one, the one full of life, the creator of life. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember? Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, must be crucified, and on the third day he must be raised again. The angels are telling the women it was necessary, it was divinely orchestrated and planned from before the foundation of the world that Jesus would be delivered, he would be crucified, and he would be raised again. Verse 8, then they remembered his words. They remembered. They thought back. They remembered, yes, back in Galilee, he said this very thing. He said it was going to go down just like this. And the women, they understood and they accepted it by faith and they believed. And so what did they do? They went and told. Verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. 
My friends, you cannot make stuff like this up. In ancient times, women were viewed as lower. Their testimony wasn't even received in court. Women were nobodies in that ancient culture. And the fact that the women were the first ones to announce and to evangelize and to bring the good news of the resurrection of Jesus is shocking, it's amazing, and it's just like our Lord and Savior Jesus to flip the world upside down. And so you're thinking the apostles, they're going to believe this story, right? Verse 11, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Nonsense. When we look at the story of Easter, I think we get that word nonsense, especially less rational types who think that we know everything. I've been alive for 41 years, and on my vast experience, I think I know it all. But sometimes in moments of clarity, we're able to get rid of our hubris and our pride and to be honest and humble enough to think and to admit that maybe we don't know everything. Maybe God, by definition, by who he is, maybe he knows more than we do and maybe, just maybe, he's got it all under control. Peter was beginning to learn that. Peter, the fisherman, he fished all day one day. He came back in, they caught no fish, and Jesus, the carpenter, said, hey, Peter, why don't you go back out and give another shot? Peter said, oh, man, do I got to? And he went out and he caught so many fish that two boats were beginning to sink. And Peter began to realize that maybe this Jesus knows what he's talking about. Jesus told Peter just a few days earlier, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter said, no, I will die with you. I will go to prison with you, Jesus. And then the rooster crowed. Peter denied Jesus three times. He wept bitterly. He was filled with shame and guilt and remorse. Maybe Jesus knows what he's talking about. Maybe God's in control. And so while the rest of the disciples are listening to the women tell this tale of resurrection nonsense, I love verse 12. It's powerful. Those two little words, Peter, however... Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb and bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself, amazed at himself, marveling that what had happened. Peter got up, he ran to the tomb, he checked it out, he was amazed and wondering at what was going on. Maybe Jesus really does know what he's doing. Maybe Jesus has something more for us than just freedom from Roman oppression. And my friends, this morning, you need to hear that maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus has more for us than American freedom. What is freedom? What does it mean to be a free human being? Danny, the guy's testimony I heard recently as a, as a teenager, he was imprisoned by prosperity. He was enslaved by the approval of others. But Danny's no longer a teenager. He's in his 50s now. And a lot has changed for him. He's a pastor here in Southern California. He's responsible for starting over 60 weekly Bible studies, starting three Celebrate Recovery Ministries. He's planted churches. He's had a successful career, you might say, in the church business. But he did it all from a unique location. He did all of that awesome, powerful work for 32 years in prison. You see, in a series of events as a teenager, his life spiraled out of control. 
He lost his family, and his family lost all the money, and he turned to alcohol and drugs and partying, and his his life spiraled down. He was seeking approval for others. His debt piled up, and he was at risk of losing this life and this identity that he created around all the wrong things. No one else mattered to him. It was all about Danny. An opportunity came for him to keep up his lifestyle, to, to get some money. And so at 18 years old, he was part of a double homicide in which two men were stabbed to death. True story. And so Danny, there he was in prison with all of his quote-unquote freedom stripped away. He was 18 years old, facing the death penalty, and ironically, there in prison, in prison. He discovered that love was not receiving material possessions, but he he discovered that love was unconditional acceptance. And he found that God still loved him. He found out that God had given him an identity that was based in Jesus Christ. He had an identity that was no longer based on the external stuff and the external people and the partying and the alcohol. He found an identity that was rooted in what God had done in Jesus by dying on the cross and raising him from the grave. And that resurrection power was alive within him. His future was secure. His present was stable. He had an identity. He had freedom. Danny said, I was in prison for life. But he said, make no mistake about it. I was truly free. For the first time in my life, he said, I am free. What is freedom? I think the pastor, Danny, would agree with our kids last week. They drew this picture. It's awesome. There's the empty cross shining brightly. And fourthly, the hands of victory and the chains being broken Freedom in the power of Jesus and the resurrection. Our kids got it right last week. Here's the whole piece of art. I pray that you go check it out in the courtyard. It says these words. It says, he is risen. We are no longer slaves to sin. Jesus has set us free. Pastor Danny didn't have to spend his whole life in prison. By God's grace, he was paroled 32 years after being in prison, and I emailed him recently and sent him a a thank you note to say, hey, thank you so much for, for sharing your testimony of freedom. And he wrote back, and he said this. He said, dear Michael, he said, yes to the power of Jesus. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And he wrote these words. He says, the I am free, the I am free declaration by men who are in physical prisons is genuine. He wrote, when I remember the worship of hundreds of men physically locked up but spiritually free, it still raises goosebumps, and I look forward to the day that I can return to prison and worship with my people again. My friends, we all have prisons and chains that seek to bind us. For Danny, it was stuff and people and alcohol and drugs Ironically, prison really wasn't his prison. He found freedom in prison. He found Jesus. He found the power of the resurrection behind bars. You too may be in a prison right now. Maybe you don't even know it. 
Maybe it's a prison of prosperity. Maybe it's a prison of material possessions. Maybe it's a prison of having a false sense of security and your ability to control things. Maybe you're in a prison of grief. Maybe you've had a loss, a death, a divorce, an abandonment, a preferred future that is totally gone. Maybe your prison is cancer or depression or a whole host of other diseases. Maybe your prison is an abuse or a wrong that has been done to you. And it seems to be controlling and dictating the course and outcome of your life. Maybe your prison is the shame and guilt that hangs upon you for the wrongs that you've done, for the crimes that you've committed, for the people that you hurt, for the abuse that you've dished out. Whatever your prison is, the message of Easter is that no matter what, no matter what thing or what person or circumstance or sin that has imprisoned you, the message of Easter for us this morning is that there is no no prison and there is no chain that can take away our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because the hope of Easter is not only do we have the promise of eternal life, not only will we rise again, not only will we be healed when Jesus comes again, but he declares that that we have that freedom here and now in amidst the chains and the prison that binds us. And that is the only hope that will last. It's the only hope that endures. It's the only hope that is truly alive. 2,000 years ago, some outcast women discovered it for the first time. The disciples eventually found it. Billions of Christians for the past 2,000 years have found it. Pastor Danny found it, and you and I have found it. And so did Peter. He ran to the tomb. He was in wonder and amazement, and he found the power of the resurrection. He found Easter. The Apostle Peter eventually was crucified upside down because of his hope in the resurrection. Death itself could not imprison Jesus. It could not imprison Peter. Death is the last enemy to be defeated, and it cannot imprison you or me. It's the reason why Peter wrote these words to us, this blessing to us this morning. 2,000 years ago, he wrote it. And he said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given to us new birth, new life, into a living hope, an eternal hope, an abiding hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen.